Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Christ Center. My name's Steve. If we haven't met, uh, I would love to chat with you later. See me after, and I'd love to get to know you. Um, I know we have some new faces here that I don't recognize, and maybe some faces I haven't seen in a while, and we just really want you to know we're glad you're here. And if you're joining us online, we're also super glad that you're, you're here. We hope that you'll be challenged, inspired, and encouraged. We're in a new series called Think Again. And the whole premise behind the series is that sometimes our strategies or our habits or our routines don't really work. Sometimes they're not enough. And we try over and over and over to break a habit or to break a cycle and our strategies just simply are not working for us. Have you ever been there? Have you ever tried to break a habit? And uh, it just seemed like you'd maybe stop for a week or maybe two weeks, and then bam, you're right back again. And so this series, we really want to look at what the Bible has to say about habits and about how we can rethink some strategies. And... Uh, so this morning, um, I want to start with a question. How many of you have ever been trapped? You've ever been trapped somewhere? I remember several years ago when I was trapped. It was when I worked for Cascade Ambulance in Leavenworth. And my partner Dolores and I were in the office. And um, there was a supply room in the back. And when you went into the supply room, you had to make sure to prop open the door because if it shut behind you, it would lock. And uh, some of you are already seeing where this is going. So I went back to just stock the trauma bag, make sure it was ready to go and that we were ready for the next call. And I'm back there and I'm working diligently, making sure we have all of the things that we need. We got the cannula, we got the gauze, we got this, we got that. And I hear a boom. And I look back and there's Dolores and the door is shut behind her. What you need to know is this was our only way out. And I had a fear that at any moment my radio was going to go off. Cascade Ambulance, please respond to Heidelberger, 75-year-old male, cardiac arrest, CPR in progress. And then my response would be something like this. Dispatch, could you please send someone to the ambulance office to unlock the supply room so that we can get out? I was just horrified that we were going to get a call during uh, our trapped episode there. And as I was uh, processing, what are we going to do? I noticed there was a window. We were on the second floor. And so I had to find another way out. And so I shimmied out the window and dropped down, and we made it. I went around. I almost just left Dolores in there, but I let her out. And we were ready to go for our call. But I had to find another way out. Because that way was not working. And that's the whole premise of this series. Today I'm going to lay a foundation, give kind of a, some guidance along thinking again. And then over the next few weeks, we're going to actually look at some particular areas that tend to be hellbait or tend to be habits or sinful patterns that we can easily develop and how we can apply these principles to that. So I want to start with a scripture, 
And I think most of you probably know the scripture. If not, it's up here. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your, with all of your, with all of your, and with all of your, and your neighbor as yourself. Now, it's easy sometimes when we're singing the right worship song, right, to just love the Lord with all your passion. Like, some of you, how many of you just love worship this morning? Wasn't that great? Wasn't that awesome? You guys were just really getting after it this morning. Thank you, team. Amazing job. Sometimes it's easy to love the Lord your God with all your heart, the emotion, the soul, the spirit comes alive. And even your strength, you know, you can, you feel good about it. You're tenacious. You're going to finish your strength. But sometimes... I wonder how well we do at loving the Lord with all of our mind. How are we doing with that? Because it is a, it is a command of the Lord to love him with all of your mind. So this morning, I want to look at three ways that we can love the Lord with all of our mind. Number one is this. Do not underestimate the power of the mind for both good and evil. Do not underestimate the power of the mind for both good and evil. The Bible says, I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and my, my soul knows full well. You were knit together for a purpose, which means your mind was knit together. It was created by God. And God wants us to use that mind for his purposes. For as a person thinks in their heart, so are they. Wow, that, if you think about that, if you think about that, as a person thinks in their heart, so are they. That is the power of the mind. Your thinking can become reality. Now, I want to do a little bit of an anatomy lesson this morning, so please don't lose me here, but I want you to just hold up your hand like this. Everyone hold up your hand, okay? Now, I want you to take your thumb and fold it under. There you go. Now, take your four fingers and bring it over the top like this. Okay. Now, we're going to take this down to some pretty basic terms, but basically, this little guy here is part of your limbic system, okay, the thumb, and this flap is your neocortex, okay? Now, wasn't that exciting? Turn to your neighbor and say, neocortex. That's what I learned in church today, neocortex. Okay, so your, your limbic system, your basal ganglia here is an instinctive part of your brain. It's the part of your brain that gets engaged. Okay, you can put your hands down. Some of you are so good. You're just going to all service. You're gonna, your hands are going to be up in the air. Yeah, there we go. Raise those hands. So, limbic system, neocortex, two distinct functions, okay? The limbic system, the thumb, for our purposes, as a processor, is a million times faster than the neocortex. When you need to make a split-second decision, that part of your brain engages. If all of a sudden a lion came out, I'm not going to think a whole lot about what I need to do. I'm just going to react, okay? And that part of my brain is going to engage, and I'm going to be jumping and running or throwing someone up here to fight it or something. I don't know what to do. But that's the instinctive part of your brain. 
Now, the neocortex is the, the thinking part of your brain, right? It's the, the, the processor is a little bit slower, but it's the one that allows you to think, have cognition. Um, have you ever went to introduce someone that you know pretty well and you forgot their name? Has anyone ever done that? I, I, yeah, all of us are raising our hands, yeah. Oh, this is my good friend. You know, uh, I've known them forever, and you're stalling, trying to remember what their name is. Yeah, you guys are all laughing. You know exactly what I'm talking about. The reason that happened is because your thumb, all of a sudden your adrenaline went because you were put on the spot. And so your adrenaline engaged, and so all the blood was going to your basal ganglia. It was, all, it was going to the, the instinctive part of your brain. So you could not think or recall their name. Now, how many of you know that later on in the day, when you're not thinking about anything much at all, you remember their name? Or you remember whatever you were trying to remember. Because all of a sudden, the neocortex could chase other thoughts because it wasn't so worried about being in adrenal engagement. Now, I know this is, this is a bit of a biology lesson, but it's, it's important to lay some groundwork here. Now, this is the lazy part of the brain. It, it wants to save energy. So it's always trying to move things to the limbic system, okay? That's where habits are created. When you begin to do something repetitively, the lazy brain says, oh, this is important, so we're going to create a reward every time they do this. And we begin to, it begins to become a habit. There's a trigger, and then it becomes a habit because it goes from thinking about it to just automatically doing it. And the, the brain is also responsible, the, in particular, the limbic system is responsible for about 40% of everything we do every day. About 40% of the things that we do, we just go into autopilot. How many of you get ready to go to work in the morning and you turn the ignition on in, in your car and all of a sudden you're at work and you kind of go, huh, how did I get here? I mean, you don't even remember the trip. Because you do it every day, you do it so often that it's, it's now just almost a reaction for you. Now, the reason that this is important is because you can either create good habits or you can create bad habits. That, that's a deadly combination. Your brain is wired for both to do evil or to do good, depending on the habits that you create. And so there's a process by which the lazy brain moves things to the limbic system. It's called chunking. Chunking. And that's just a fun word, so you can go ahead and say it. Chunking. Chunking, okay? This is the process by which things move into the habit mode. All right? And then there's another word. It's called ego depletion. Ego depletion is when the lazy brain is expending energy. It expends glucose 
electricity and energy every time it's trying to think about something. So when your cognitive part of your brain is trying to think about something, it's working hard. It's expending glucose, energy, electricity, and it would rather not do that. It would rather save itself for some important things. So it's going to chunk everything to the limbic system. It's going to try to move everything there to a habit. So the significance is of this is that if our lives are a lot of it spent with our lazy brain trying to move things to the habit part of our brain, then we have to be really careful what we allow into the habit part of our brain. Because you cannot underestimate the power of the brain for both good and evil. Now, there's a cycle. And the cycle is this. There's a reminder, which is a trigger, then there's a routine that you follow, and then there's a reward, okay? So some reminders might be, a uh, trigger might be turning your key on in the car. Okay, that's a trigger. Now I know I got to back out, I got to do this, I got to do that. Maybe when you get on your cell phone, it's a trigger. Send you into a certain mode. Sit down to your computer. Send you into a certain mode. Certain sounds, certain smells, the weather can push us into habits that we've developed. And number two point is this, and it's so important. You cannot erase a habit. You cannot erase a habit. You can only replace a habit. How many of you have ever smelled a rose? When I say rose, can you smell it? Anyone, can anyone smell it? Like you can actually smell it? Or the touch of velvet. You know what that feels like, right? You will never forget that. Now, some of you, well, hopefully you smelt some roses this week, gentlemen, as you gave your Valentine some flowers. But for maybe a lot of people, they haven't smelled a rose in a long time, but they still know what it smells like. That's because our dendrites and our engrams and the anatomy of our brain is such that it's wired in there. It's always going to be in there somewhere. And as will our habits. And so it's important that we not try to, that's why, how many of you have just tried to abstain from a habit, abstain, 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 but you just keep falling back into the same cycle? It's because you cannot erase, you can only replace. The Bible says in Romans 12, chapter uh, 12, 1 and 2, I beg you, my dear brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifices, your bodies, including your brain, as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable act of service. And be not conformed, Greek word schema, it's where we get schematic, do not have a pattern, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's why so often Jesus told people, especially when you read the Sermon on the Mount, he told people, look, this is what you used to do, but now this is what you do. 
I know that you went one mile with someone, now go with them two miles. And it's almost as though he was replacing earthly habits with kingdom habits. And we see that throughout the New Testament. You cannot erase, you can only replace. Now, here's an example of of what this looks like. Uh, These are called the golden arches, right? Now, McDonald's is designed that every sign looks the same way, except Leavenworth. Somehow they got some kind of Bavarian exclusion, but every other McDonald's in the world, golden arches, all that, and, and the restaurants all look the same because it's a reminder, it's a trigger. And that trigger puts you into... Check one, two, there we go. Immediately, how many of you have one of these triggers? Anyone have a trigger? Maybe it's not McDonald's, but maybe it's something. You know what it is. And it automatically puts you in a routine. Next slide. And then once you... um, I'm not sure the slides seem to be out of, out of order, but there should be one slide that describes over here on this side. It says reward, maybe, if we got it. So imagine there's a word here that says reward. Reminder, routine, reward. Now, what we want to do is we want to have self-control, and so we just abstain. I'm not going to go to McDonald's. I'm not going to go to McDonald's. I'm not going to go to McDonald's. I'm not going to look at that on the computer. I'm not going to look at that on the computer. I'm not going to drink this. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to. And then next slide, what happens is it creates craving because your lazy brain is telling you, you need to do this. This is important. It's a habit. And so you begin to crave it all the more. And so this doesn't work. Next slide. Instead, and this is, uh, that's ego depletion, when the expended energy by the neocortex says, I don't like that, and we chunk it, and then you try to resist it, you create the craving, and you end up in this cycle. Reminder, routine, reward. Point number three, and this is the critical point for our whole series. You can't erase, you can only replace, and so the goal is to create a competing response to whatever the other habit is. So, for example, and I'm just going to be real honest with you, when I was younger, um, I had a horrible, I mean, I, I ate horribly. I mean, my idea of an afternoon snack was two Whoppers, you know, and a giant 32-ounce uh, pop, fries, and as many other things as I could possibly. That was just my snack. Then we had dinner. And my mom was from the South, so you can imagine how much fried foods we had. And, and I was very, very overweight. And I was stuck in this habit. Soon as school was out, trigger, trigger, hit Burger King, hit McDonald's, hit somewhere, and and it was a cycle. And I really was uncomfortable 
with myself. And then my brother Jim introduced me to a little sport called racquetball. And I know it seems a little bit silly, but all of a sudden in the evenings when normally I would eat, I was at the Y playing racquetball. And before you knew it, I had a competing response to the other routine. The other routine was hitting Burger King, eating as much as I could. And now all of a sudden, I'm not doing that. I'm exercising. And there are such things that are called keystone habits. Keystone habits are habits that are significant, so significant that they change multiple things. And exercise is a keystone habit. And, you know, I'm just, again, being super transparent with you. Um, when I was dealing with my, my weight and really struggling, I developed a, an eating disorder. And so not only did I eat horribly, but when I would eat, eating became a trigger for me to also go to the bathroom and throw it up. And so I had these horrible habits. And when I started exercising, it competed with the other routines. And I would like to say, you know, well, I never struggle with eating again and, and all of no, because you, you can't erase it. It will be there. But now I had a competing routine, a competing response that was primary over the lesser response. And Jesus, who created our mind, you see this in the Gospels. As a matter of fact, put the scripture up. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. Repent is made up of two Greek words. Meta, noia. Meta means greater than, and noia means thinking. So greater, higher, further, meta, thinking. So when Jesus is saying repent, He's saying, you were under an old pattern before. You thought the law could save you. You thought it was okay to hate your enemies. But I need you to repent because now there's a new way of thinking. Now I'm bringing in and I'm ushering in a new kingdom. And so the old way of thinking, the old habits need to change. And your thinking needs to be on things above, not on things of the earth. And my laptop is quite old, and it no longer has the capacity to, to hold a charge. Um, 
and it's, I don't know how many years old, it's old. And so I've ran out of memory in it. And so I have an external hard drive. You know, it always asks you to name your hard drive. And I was real creative and I named it Steve, okay? And, um, and so whenever I shut off my laptop and, you know, I need to eject the hard drive, I click on it, right click on it, and it says, eject Steve, yes or no? And I always think it's funny, but I always hit yes, I'm ejecting Steve. But that's really what it means to repent. Repent means eject your way of thinking, the worldly way of thinking, and receive the way I think, receive the principles of God's word. The Bible says, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your things, your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. And I want to close with this scripture. Now, as he was going out on the road, one came running and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, and that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he answered and said, Teacher, all these things I've kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him, and he said to him, One thing you lack. Go your way. Sell whatever you have. And give it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up your cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word. And he went away. Sorrowful. For he had great possessions. See, he had a habit in his life that was his God. It was an idol. It was lower thinking, not higher thinking. It was earthly thinking, not kingdom thinking. And it could truly never satisfy, ultimately. And Jesus said, you have to let go of that. He didn't just say, stop hoarding your possessions. What did he say? He said, no, go sell it, all your possessions, and you... Don't take it to the treasury. Don't give it to the priests. But you, go give it to the poor. That word give means to distribute it. Jesus was saying, take all that you have, and I want you to give it to the poor. Can you imagine what this rich young ruler how it could have changed his life to have let go of the habit of hoarding and gain the habit of generosity and giving. When he began to gave, give something to the poor and he could see their life change. See, that's what Jesus is saying. He's like, these base habits, these earthly habits, they will never ultimately satisfy. You'll, you'll end up in this cycle. 
And I know we just want to abstain, but abstaining alone is not enough. You have to replace. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to look at what it means with certain areas of our life. What does it mean to replace a sin habit and to truly do what the Bible says and repent? Would you just bow your heads for a moment? Lord, this morning we recognize that we, we're all sinners saved by grace. We're all on the journey. We all have habits that we're trying to, trying to fight. And some we've won and some we've lost. And, but we know it's a journey, God. And we know that there's a lot of grace on this journey. And we're thankful for your grace. But God, we ask you in this next week and in the weeks to come, give us the biblical principles and the tools and the, the spiritual kingdom habits necessary to replace some negative habits in our life. We trust you to lead us and to guide us. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.